Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Genesis 22. When Abraham, check this out. When Abraham was 75 years old, 75, okay, God called him out of the Ur of Chaldees, and promised that he would make him a great nation. Now, that in itself would blow your mind, would it not? Because you would think God would would pick the the young guys. He'd pick the Adams because he's young. The Joshua's right over here. He'd he'd pick the Anthony's. He's young. These are guys that, that I can build a nation with. He's 75, and everybody goes, what? There's no way. Adam, you're, I mean, Abraham, you're old, and, and he does that, and I think God is so amazing because he's going to take things in our lives, if you'll understand that, he'll take things that make no sense, that are foolish, and he just confounds all the wise. People just go, I can't believe this. 75 years old, that's what he does. We've learned that God, what does he do? Well, he continues to repeat his promise over and over to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Abraham, there's a son of, of promise. You guys remember that? He's always reminding us of his promises. But here's what I found interesting, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. There are 750 New Testament promises for you, right? You go, wow, 750? Yeah, there's 750 promises, but due to the fact that many of the promises are repeated in different books, there's really only 250 separate promise benefits. Because you go, so what's what's the point? Many are not the exact form of the promise, but they contain claims for the gospel benefits, and so they're listed as promise. And you go, well, pastor, what is the point of that? God has to remind us always of the promise, right? I, 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 I don't believe. Oh, I believe. Okay, God, are you sure? Did I hear you right, Lord? I'm not sure I understand. God, here's your promise. I'm going to stand on your promise. God, you promised me that you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You promised, God, you promised. And God goes, I promise. And we all say... Amen. And then two days later, we're like, God, I feel so alone. I feel like I'm left. And, and God goes, no, I promised you I'll never. And he repeats them, right? 750, but really only 250 are the ones that we can take home. But he says, but you guys don't do it. So I've got to remind you. That's what he's doing with Abraham. He's reminding of, his, of the promises. And so again, that's what he does. And so after all these years, guess what? Abraham only had one son at this time. Who is he? His name is Ishmael, by the wife of an Egyptian servant girl, and his family grew smaller, not larger, right? His father, Terah, died, and his nephew, Lot, abandoned him to go live in Sodom. This is all the history. So that's, that's Abraham's pedigree. That's his resume right there. Oh, Abraham, yes, Lord, you're going to be the father of many nations. Yes! Oh, by the way, you're only going to have one son. Your dad's going to die, and your nephew's going to leave you. Well, that's my, that's, that's my shrieking, shrieking, Lord. And it wasn't until when Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him and promised him that he's going to have a son by his wife, Sarah. Sarah, yes, you're going to have a baby. When? <laughs> it, right? A year from now. Well, see, Sarah had been barren all her life. However, Abraham believed God, and a son was born to Sarah and Abraham. And they named his, and, and they, um, they named their son Isaac, which means laughter. Laughter. Isn't that interesting? Y'all pick up a name yet? 
Well, don't laugh, okay? Because then we'll have to call him Isaac, okay? So just, just wondering, just wondering. You guys sit in the same place and boom, all day. It's all day, right there, right there. So Isaac, laughter, <laughs> was born to him when he was 100 and Sarah was 99. Yeah, that's old. That's old. When the Bible says they're old and doesn't give a date, it means they're almost dead. That's what it means, right? So don't be afraid to tell your age. When somebody asks you, don't, go, don't say, I'm old, because then you're just like, I'm, I'm almost dead, right? Just, no, I'm, I'm so many years young, right? I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Well, Ben, you just said this. I know, I know. I just contradicted myself. Well, God specifically confirmed Isaac right? The son of promise. He did that in Genesis 17b. He says, I will establish my covenant with Isaac as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Well, Abraham, guess what, guys? He loved Isaac. But more importantly, all of Abraham's hope and God fulfilling his promise to make him a great nation was centered around his son, Isaac. Isaac. Well, all went well for many years, we're not sure at the age of Isaac, but one day, suddenly, Abraham's peaceful world became shattered. God is going to appear to Abraham and ask him one of the greatest tests of faith any servant has ever endured. God is going to ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, that's the story. But before we jump in our text, I want you to keep this in mind. There are many similarities with our story tonight with one that will come about 2,000 years later, okay? When God the Father will offer his only begotten son, except tonight we have different endings, and both are attributed to God's grace. Now, remember where we left off last week, and I just want to bring you up by way of recap. We talked about broken relationships healed. If you weren't here last week, listen up. I simply, again, want to remind you that last week's study that we discovered, we learned, we, we took to heart that if you want to heal broken relationships, see, we all have broken relationships, and again, you'll have to listen to the study because there's got to be boundaries. There's some relationships you go, yes, I, I want to be cordial to them. I want to be friendly with them, but I don't think I can invite them to my house for dinner. But then there's also relationships where you go, you know what? We were really, we were really tight, and I don't know what happened, and now we're, and now we're not. And, and we learned last week, guys, we learned the way to do that is, is really simple, that we have to confess right? Confess the wrong that you have done. Confess the wrong, okay? Always look at yourself. We're very quick to go, well, you did, and you did, and you did, and you, 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 and we never look at what's going on in our hearts and what we did and how we paid attention or we did something to that. So we confess, oh, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And then the second thing we need to do, check this out, confront the wrong that was done to you. And then, Confirm the right path going forward. Okay, so we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Nearly 2,000 years before Christ, we learned two powerful men found themselves at odds with each other. We talked about this last week. It was Abimelech and Abraham. There had been lying. There had been stealing between them, resulting in conflict threatened to destroy many lives. 
Even so, they found a way to resolve their differences and make peace with each other. We talked about this, and you probably have them in your notes, but if you don't, this is how broken relationships, this is what we can do to help heal those relationships. Let me give you some practicals. I'm not going to go in depth with them because we talked about them last week, but the first thing is communicate. Communicate. Well, that's so, well, Ben, that's Captain Obvious, man. We're, we're communicating. No, no, no. We're talking to each other. We're talking above each other. We're talking beneath each other. We're talking at each other, but we need to communicate and really speak what's going on in our hearts, and, and that will heal a broken Let me just tell you, this is, this is how I feel, and I'm not, you know, when we get rid of us and all the hurt and all the pain and all the anger, then we can communicate properly. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you know, how many of you know that communication is not, is, on, is, is not only verbal, but it's nonverbal? And how many of you have heard something being said to you and you totally thought they were saying something else? Right? Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Man, it's crazy. And I don't have time to think. There, there are some things that Natalie will tell me, and there are things that I would tell her that probably hurt her feelings, but the communication part wasn't there. And we think, oh, this is, this is what she, this is. You're looking at me like you don't get it. Okay, let me, let me give you an example. Communication. Let's say your husband is used to getting up every morning and getting his cup of coffee. You go, that's not a problem. But because your husband is very loud, okay, let's just say he's loud, and people are sleeping, and he's loud. He tries not to be loud, but the the more he tries not to be loud, the louder he is. And you go, but it's not a big deal to you because you've got a cup of coffee, and, and then you find out that your wife brings you a cup of coffee, and you have two choices. What is, what is, what is she saying? I love you? Or... You're being loud, and so I'm going to bring you a cup of coffee so you don't wake up everybody. Do you see how, we're not, how, how we can communicate the wrong things to ourselves? When in essence, she's probably saying, I love you. And I poured myself a cup. I'm giving you a cup. But guess how we think? Okay, I don't have time to jump. I mean, we could just spend hours on communication. You guys know what I'm talking about. Give me an amen. amen. Number two, forgiveness. Forgiveness. When there's broken relationships, there needs to be forgiveness. Number three, honesty. Honesty. I was talking to a guy. I was talking to a guy a while back, and he blew my mind because he says, "Oh, I don't go to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, I don't tell him what's wrong." I'm like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, and, and I'm just going, "But you need to tell him what's wrong. You need to say this is what's wrong." In all honesty. But we're always looking for angles, and so we don't, we're not really honest because we're afraid that that'll put us in a very vulnerable position to get hurt. Honesty. We got to be honest. We got to be honest. What's the, what's the fourth thing? Responsibility. That's important. Take responsibility for what you did. Take responsibility. There was a, there was an interview with a lady who, who I, I'm not sure her name, but she sings, she, she's one of the band members from Mary Mary. And she said that, that out of the 14 years, her husband had an affair for 12. And, but she said, but now, now listen, she goes, now listen, she said, I 
I will not take responsibility for his choice. That was still his choice. But what God revealed to me is I created an environment for him to go have an affair. I had, I was just, because, because what God does is he wants us to go, okay, I'm responsible for my part. I'm not responsible for what he did. That's still his choice. That's on him. And of course, God got in there. He got in the midst of that, guys, and he healed the relationship, and he, and, and he brought them back together instead of divorce, instead of, but, but it took a work of God. It took a work of God. So there has to be responsibility. And the last one is patience. We have to be patient. We have to be patient. Just patient with broken relationships as, as they come, as they come. I think of Josh, we were talking about this last night. You know, Josh invited, I got invited him to church. He came, we played basketball together. Finally, he came, he loved it, raised his hand, said, man, my life is a mess. And then I was like, hey, Josh, you need to come, you need to get plugged in. He's like, yeah, I'm going to. And I never saw Josh again. But I'd see him occasionally, and I would just love on him and just say, hey, Josh, you, you know, you're always welcome. I know, Ben, I know. And we just, we just sort of, I don't know if it's Facebook or what, but it took three years, four years, but it's patience. And we can't just go, well, you know what, Josh is just nuts. I'm going to write him off, forget it, you know. He didn't come to my church. He, I mean, this is an outstanding church. I mean, come on, man, who wouldn't want to be here? Hello. It took patience, right? Patience. And so that's what we need. And that's what's going on. And that's what we talked about and last week. And so, and so, well, that brings us up again to our text today. Now, there's a lot of application for us to grasp, okay, as well as the bigger picture. You go, what's that? If you're taking note, you can write on top of your Bible, chapter 22. This is the gospel, okay? This is the gospel message. The cross of Christ that saves us. The cross of Christ that saves us, okay? The gospel message. Are we not supposed to be believers that go out and share the gospel? Aren't we supposed to be telling people the good news? The good news of the gospel, how the gospel saves you from yourself, how the gospel changes you, how it changes your thinking, how amazing God is, how he loves you, how he died for you. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel, right? How many of us, well, don't raise your hand, but we fail at that daily, don't we? There's people all around us and we just and I found it interesting today. I just wanted, I was, there's, a, there's a story that happened to me, <laughs> and I thought I'd weave it in, and here's a good one, okay? Here's a good one. I had just finished working out, okay? And I'm just sweaty, and I'm trying to cool down, and I have my head, my, my, my pods in, and I'm just walking. And this guy comes, and he motions to me. I don't know who this guy is. He's an older guy. I don't know who this guy is. And I'm like, yes? He goes, hey, and I, and I put it back in. He goes, hey, and I said, yes? And he's like, you know, ever since I you know, enlisted in the army and stuff, I, I'm able to get, I'm able to get, you know, food vouchers and, 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 and I'm able to get meals on wheels and you can too. I said, do you think I'm skinny or something? I just, I was like, what, what is that? Oh, uh, okay. This is just random. It really was random. And then the Lord spoke. This guy stopped me, didn't know me from Adam And he's telling me about food vouchers and, and, and how to get, you know, South Plains Food Bank. And, and I don't think I look sickly or anything, so I was just wondering. What the, here's the point. He had good news, and he wasn't afraid to share it. And we have the best news in the world, and we're so intimidated. 
are so intimidated. I said, Lord, I need to be like that about the gospel. Hey, guess what? I don't know if you're feeling loved today, but Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's got a plan for your life. It's going to be amazing. I just need to tell people. He told me about, yeah, you see what I'm saying? And that's the gospel. Now, before we jump into our text, let's go back. Let me give you some insight, okay, and then some applicational thought. You got to jot this down. Okay, this is a very famous text. I don't know if you know this. Okay, this is written in all ancient literature, this text right here. As a matter of fact, you will find this story in the Quran, Abraham and Isaac. Okay, when Father Abraham sacrifices Isaac, it's in there, literature, it's amazing. It's also, listen, it's also where the skeptics take you to and say, how could you follow a God who asks you to sacrifice your children? That's right. I mean, how could you do this? The Genesis, are you going to follow a God that wants you to kill your own kids? And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, we must understand, based on the text, this is a test. Now, I don't need to defend God. Amen? Whatever God wrote, I agree. I don't need to defend him, but I do know that it's a test because the Bible tells me it was a, it was a test. Plus, it's also a picture that God would make on our behalf. God will test Abraham on what? These three points, jot them down. Sincerity, loyalty, and faith. That's what God's going to test him. It's the same three that he tests his children like you and I with. What is it? It's sincerity, loyalty, and faith. Why? Because the New Testament categorically says that God does not solicit any man to evil. So he's not going to ask you, oh, when baby Hezekiah is born, you're going to take him and sacrifice. He's not going to ask you. That is not the God we serve. Can I get an amen? If they name him Hezekiah, I'm, going to do, I'm just going to flip, but that's going to be amazing. Because we're going to call him Kaya. Yeah? yeah. See, I, I got her. <laughs> so we know that's what the Bible says. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Because I want to draw some application in our lives from this text. You go, what is it? Abraham is going to be asked, guys, to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. This is key. You go, why? Why? Here's the application. Because you and I, listen, we hold on to things that God wants us to trust him with. The application for us, here's the question we must ask ourselves in light of tonight's study. Are we willing to lay down before God and trust the blessing of God that will follow? Are we willing to lay down the things that mean so much to us and trust the Lord for the blessings that follow? Are we holding on, listen, to what God wants us to trust him with? And that could be anything in your life, guys. I don't have time to go through it. I mean, it could be anything. It could be relationships. It could be children. It could be, you know, now God's not going to say, hey, you need to do this. But what are you holding on to? 
that says, hey, you need to lay that down, man. And Lord, I don't know if I trust you. I don't, I, and that's what we got to answer tonight. Guys, I'll never forget this story. I'll never, how, I'll never forget how it impacted me. I remember I was at prayer meeting, much like a church like this, Calvary Chapel in Santa Fe. And I remember I was meeting with the pastors and a few men, and we were praying, and, and he talked about the sacrifice. Now, at that time, my youngest child was one, and my oldest child was three. And I, and I heard, and, and there, there was a story, sacrifice, right? And, and I just remember thinking, man, this was, this was, this was rough, right? And, and again, I was just like sitting there, and, I, and it kept pounding over, and I was like, man, what, what if God would ask me to sacrifice any of my children? I could not, couldn't do it, Lord. I, I, and I love you, Lord, but, but God, I don't know if I could. I, I, and I remember leaving there discouraged because I was like, I couldn't, I could, I love my kids. I, I love my kids. I mean, and if God came to me, and as much as I love God, I mean, I know it's going to be a struggle. I know it will be. And yet I know I'm called to love God more than anything. And that he has a plan, and it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be perfect, and, and the blessings are going to follow. But if God said, hey, you, you've got Talia over here, three years old, why don't you take her to the altar? I said, Ugh. well, how about, how about your baby? She's one years old. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about? We, we just, and then I was just like, I was so bummed. I was so, I was just like, couldn't, God, I'm sorry. I couldn't help for my kids. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm just not a good Christian. And I left there so defeated because I didn't understand the text. But then it was explained to me, guys, that God would never ask me to sacrifice my children in an effort to prove our love to him. He would never do that. See, in the Hebrew culture, they understood that they were always to offer their firstborn back to God, whether it was animals or children, whatever. You know that they always offered the firstborn back to God. Now, it wasn't in a sacrificial burnt offering type of way. But the Hebrews, the Jewish people, understood this concept. We Gentiles were like, I don't know, I can't do that. Because we're not, we weren't brought up with that. That wasn't any part of our tradition going forth. But the Hebrews did, and so it was a little bit easier for Abraham to go, okay, okay. And again, we really don't need to what? Defend God, we just must trust and Obey. So with that, let's jump into our text. 22 verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God, there it is, tested, another word you might look there is tempted Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Okay. Notice it says after these things. What things is he talking about, guys? He's talking about the previous test that God gave Abraham. Okay, but I need you to jot this down because this is so applicational for you. What is this? Jot it down. Ready? Faith must be tested. Faith must be tested. Consider these verses. James chapter 1, 2 through 4. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. James says, your faith is going to be tested. You come up here and you go, man, I am a Christian. I am a believer. I am a follower of God. God says, okay, your faith's going to be tested. So you can grow, so you can mature. 
First Peter chapter 1, 6 through 7 says, do, says, In all you greatly rejoice now for a little while that you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus is revealed. Can I get an amen? You go, why am I saying amen? Because your faith will be tested. It's going to be tested. This is what he's doing to Abraham. Well, after these things, yeah, listen. Abraham had four spiritual experiences marked by four great tests. Let's take a quick look, right? In honor of school starting, I didn't get an amen. In honor of school starting, <laughs> let's, grade, let's grade Abraham, okay? Let's grade Abraham. Ready? Here's the first test. It was the follow God test. That's the first test, okay? Abraham, yep, you need to go from the Ur of the Chaldees, where? Over to the land of Canaan, right? Where does Abraham go? He goes straight up and he stops at Haran. He doesn't go all the way. He only goes halfway. He goes to Haran till his dad dies, and then finally he's, okay, I'll go, right? So the follow God test, I would say he maybe got a C, maybe a C plus. That's what he got. He didn't follow God all the way. That's the test. The second test we see is that it's the famine test, right? The famine. There's a famine in the land. What does he do? He doesn't trust God, and he runs to Egypt instead of running and trusting God, and he ends up in a huge mess. You guys know that, right? He looks at his wife. He sees Sarah. She's beautiful. He says, hey, listen, I don't want to die, so tell him you're my sister. It's kind of true, but I'm your wife. I know. I'm more your wife than your half-sister. Hello, right? But, but nonetheless, he says what? And then you guys know what happened. Pharaoh's like, hey, that's a good-looking girl. I want her in my harem. And God's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. She belongs to Abraham. What would you give him? He, he failed that test, didn't he? It was an F. It was an F. So right now he's got a C plus and an F. And number third, what's the third test, right, after these things? It's the fatherhood test. Yes, God, he promised a son, your son. Abraham goes, man, I don't know. He listens to his wife, takes matters into his own hands. None of us do that. I'm so proud of you guys that you never take matters in your own hands. The next thing you know, here's little baby Ishmael, right? Not the promised child, but the child of an Egyptian slave girl. Abraham, what are you doing? What grade would we give him? F, he failed, right? F. But let's see today's test. So after these things, here comes another test. God called to Abraham. What do you say? Abraham, here I am. Now the test. Let's see if he'll pass or fail. Look at verse 2. Then he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on the one on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, check this out. Just listening to verse 2, we should take it out of our Bibles because that's brutal. Why? This is a super hard test. Okay? But let's unpack it. The first thing we notice, he says, now take your son. What does he say? Your only son, Isaac. Right? And you're going, wait, 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 wait. 
what about Ishmael? I thought Ishmael was his son, but he's not. He was the child of promise. And God recognized the child of promise as Abraham's only son through Sarah. And so he says, oh, okay, okay, okay. You realize that through Isaac, the child of promise, that's where the Messiah is going to come from. And he says, take your son, your only son. Do you guys see that in verse 2? Whom you love. Look at your Bibles, guys. I want you to circle that word for love. And you go, why? Because basically this is the first mention of love in the Old Testament. Now, in Bible study, there is something called um, the law of first mention. It's the law of first mention. Anytime you see when a, 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 a word is mentioned for the first time, you see it in context, it's pretty much going to be used that way for the rest of the Bible. It's the law of first mention. What does it mean? Look at the context. He says, take your son. I mean, here, here's what it blows my mind. It's used in the sacrifice of someone loved. He says, you love him. Take your son whom you love. And you could imagine Abraham's love. Take a look at your own heart for your children. How much love? How much love you have for them? Abraham, yes, Lord. Take your son, your only son, no problem. Where am I taking him? Copper caboose, play some games. Joyland, where am I, where am I taking him? He says, take him to, I, I know you love him. He says, no, take him to Mount Moriah. Okay. What are we going to do at Mount Moriah? I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. Uh, look, can, we, can we be honest in church? Can we? That's where I hang up on God. That's where I hang up. Seriously. You would too. Come on. Uh, Lord, sorry, disconnected. <laughs> Dis- but Abraham's grown. Abraham's grown, right? Now, a key verse when he says, when he says, whom you love is actually used, guys, jot this down. John chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. The Father has that same love. It's that love. Now, again, the Hebrew word is abhad, and here's what it means, to have affection for. Abraham loved his son. But I got to tell you, too, God the Father... Although Jesus was fully God and fully man, he loved Jesus like his son. Get that affection. Get that affection for. Oh, go. Where, where am I going to take him? Mariah. The offering of Isaac may have occurred in a place, guys, basically where Solomon built the temple. Or it could have been on the Temple Mount. Or it could have been in the city of David. Some have even suggested Calvary. If you go to Israel today, okay, by the way, we are going in 2021, so you want to start saving your money if you want to go to Israel. And you'll go up to the Temple Mount. You'll see the city of David. All of that is Mount Moriah. And he doesn't give us a specific location, but he says, take him. Now, remember, back in this day, it's just a mountain. Now it's, I mean, you can't, you can't even recognize. There's, there's, there's things everywhere, the city of David and streets and buses and people honking and, and so forth. He says, take him over there. And here's the test. What is it, sir? 
He says, offer him as a burnt offering, right? This means, now listen, you got to get this, okay? This means to kill him as an offering, to kill him. See, the offering has four distinctive aspects to it, the offering. It's a sweet savor to God. He enjoys this offering. It's not given to him because of sin, but out of devotion. It's taking something you really love and saying, okay, God, it's yours. That's how much I love you. It's offered for acceptance in the stead of the offerer. The animal represents the offerer. Number three, it's the life is given. And number four, it's completely burned up. It's completely burned up. So when Abraham hears burnt offering, he doesn't hear, hey, just be willing, bud. Just be willing. It's okay. He hears, he hears, this is it. This is it. I'm giving my life. In verse 3, so Abraham, what does he do? So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, and went to the place which God had told him. Now, this is crazy. Can we be honest? This is crazy. The very next day, he gets up early and does what God asks him to do. I can say, Abraham, you have grown. You have grown in your faith. How has Abraham changed since his last test? I'll tell you this, and I think it's so key for us. You got to jot this down, okay? This is how Abraham's changed. This is how we should change, okay? Abraham has learned the difference between trusting the promise and trusting the promiser. Huge, huge, monumental. You go, why? Because it's the same thing we must do, guys. We have to come to the place where we learn to trust God for everything. His promises are true, but let us not just trust the promise more than the promiser. You guys with me? You tracking? I mean, that's so key. That's so profound. Abraham has grown because he goes, man, I'm not only trusting the promise, I'm trusting the giver of the promise. The giver of the promise. Isn't that the truth? And that's the truth, right? I look at my buddy Adam. Adam, you know what? You've been you've been so made. You got a, got an awesome beard. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to write you a check because I know you're. Yeah, he's putting out his hand. Yeah, I'm going to write him a check, and it's let's see, 150 thousand. You, you good with that? You can buy your house and and all that. You got that? Cool. So Abraham. So so Adam's stoked, right? So Ben writes a check. My wife's going, no, you're not. No, but I'm just saying, I write a check and I give it. Listen. He's trusting in this check, but he can't trust the check unless he trusts the person who wrote the check. He might take it and go, <laughs> okay, 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 yeah, sure, Ben, 150. I mean, he would check it out, right? He'd say, okay, well, but why are you doing this? Do you have the money? Is it, what, what, what's this for? And if he knew me and he said, he knew that I had just inherited $10 million, He's going to trust the promiser, even though he has the promise in his hand. What was that? Yeah. I don't have $10 million. Sorry. Abraham. Yes, Lord. Go sacrifice your son. Now, stop right here. Imagine the talk 
that Abraham had with Sarah that night. Imagine the talk. Hey, baby, we got to talk. Oh, really? What's up? Yeah, God called last night. Oh, yeah? What did he say? You know, wow, I, I really I just love what God oh, what, what What did he want? Um, he told me to sacrifice our only son. Oh, okay. Have a great week, honey. Right? No, 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 no. I could imagine how the conversation went. I could imagine, right? I could imagine how it is. Honey, yes. God called. Really? What did he say? He wants me to kill our son. Abraham? You've been drinking a little bit too much wine lately? What's, are you serious? Maybe it was that pizza that we ate before bed and you only dreamt it. There's no way you're taking my son. This is the son of promise. You guys know this. You know that, right? You know that. Ah, look at them. I got to use them in the illustration. Sasha and Anthony. If Anthony were to get, get little Isa and take her to the room, where are you going? Where are you taking her? Oh, I'm just taking her over here. I just, you know, I mean, but that's how we are, Mama, right? Where, where, where are you going with them? Where do you, what are you doing? What, I mean, that's how we are. And Abraham's like, hey, listen, we're, we're, you know. But, I mean, obviously, Isaac isn't six months old, eight months old. He's a, he's, he's a grown man, anywhere between 15 and 30. We don't know exactly. So he's, he's, he's a grown man. But Abraham, what does he do? He's obedient. He's trusting. And there's no debating. Abraham gets up. Look at verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Isn't that funny? A three-day journey. A three-day journey. Now, we understand what that means for us, right? Because the key is found in 1 Corinthians 15.4, which says this, And he was buried and he rose again on the third day, right? According to the scripture. So we know that has significance. Three days, three days. I mean, it's all tying in. When, it, when the people read the Old Testament, they would go, oh, whoa, okay, so there's... Now, here's what trips me out. Okay, here's what, let's be honest. Three days. I would have, Mark, come up with a thousand reasons not to do this in three days. I mean, listen, every moment I looked at my boy walking to Mount Moriah... I'd have been like, oh, man, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? What do I do? My goodness gracious, Lord, you know, hold on. Let's pray. Lord, did I hear you right? You, you want me to do this? Three days when we'd go to sleep at night knowing I have two more days to get there. I'd be praying that he would run away. I mean, there's, think about it. Think about what you would do. I mean, you're three days walking, and I would have thought a thousand reasons not to do this every moment. But Abraham, he doesn't, does he? He keeps going. Why? Because he's grown in his faith. And then they're there. They're here. They're here. Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. Don't you just love that? What's yonder? You know, we're going to go up yonder. Yeah, it's a little ways. He says, we're going to go yonder and worship. But here's what I find interesting. Look at your Bibles. And we will come back to you. Two stories going on right here. Either Abraham's Fruit Loops right here. He just doesn't understand what burnt offering means. 
or God has spoken to him in such an amazing way because he says, we're coming back to you. Most theologians, most scholars believe that Abraham knew that God would either resurrect him or he would show up or he would provide or he would do something. But nonetheless, I'm going to be obedient to whatever point I need to be obedient to. Wow, that's faith. Wow, that's deep faith. How do we get that faith? How do we walk in that faith? Because Abraham says, I'm going. I'm going. And we're going to come back. How do you tell a young man, listen, we're going to go up and um, maybe one of us is going to come back, probably me. But I don't know because Isaac's a pretty tough guy. He might, he might beat me up. I'm 100 years old or 117 by now. Whatever it might be. I wonder what the other two men thought. Oh, okay. They had no idea what's going on. And I wonder if Isaac was thinking, you know, we could have just worshipped at home. We've done that many times. We could have, why are we here? Mount Moriah. What is this all about? Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Wow. Doesn't this just jump out at you? Why? Because I think about this moment, the wood, guys, is very symbolic of the crossbeam that Jesus would carry to Calvary. Very symbolic. And because we know Isaac was a young man between, and I mean, I mean, it, it could even be possible that Isaac was 33 years old, the same age as Jesus. But here's what I find, and you've got to grasp it, guys. Look at this, right? Isaac, he had loving submission to his father. Let's go. Okay. Whatever you think, Dad. Whatever you think. Whatever you think. Why do our youth rebel against authority? Why? Because we as men have to step up And we have to be godly men so they can see an example. We, as godly men, cannot be hypocrites anymore. We cannot be hypocrites. We can't say, do as I say, not as I do. We have to say, I'm going to be a godly man. And I want the youth to look at that and go, yeah, that's how I'm. And and when when my father says, we're going to do this, I trust him. I believe in him. That's what we're going to do. Loving submission of Isaac. But it also parallels Jesus. Loving submission to go to the cross. Now, I put a side note in my notes. You ready? If it was me, I might have forgotten the knife. Just saying. Just saying. Okay? Oh, we have fire. Oh, I forgot the knife. Well, let's just sing some songs. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Right? I mean, and, and, but, 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 but he didn't. He didn't forget the knife. I would have. I might have. Maybe you would have too. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Lord, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Do you guys see that? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. If you're taking notes, you can jot that. This is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. He says God's going to provide. But if you look at it, it says God's going to provide 
himself, the lamb. Wow. So the two of them went up together. Then they came to the place which God had told them. Abraham built an altar there. He placed the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And then Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. Now, here's what blows my mind. Isaac lovingly submits to what dad wants, and he's willing to lay down his life. The Bible doesn't say he fought, he struggled, he was concerned. It didn't say he cried. He just said, okay, okay. And Abraham, guys, was willing to take the knife, and he was about to kill his son. Now, let me give you a statement here about God, okay? Let me give you this statement. God often takes the will for the deed with people. Are you hearing me? God often takes the will for the deed with people. When he finds them truly willing to make a sacrifice he demands, he often doesn't require it. He looks deep within our hearts to see if we are willing to be loyal and sincere. You see, he wants to see our hearts, guys. He looks deep. He says, are you willing? Are you willing? And sometimes he calls us to do certain things, and he calls us to step out in faith, and he wants to see if we're willing to do that, and he'll meet us there. Remember, he takes the will for the deed. And he's not going to require any of you to offer a sacrifice, and he's not going to require you or twist your arm to love him. He wants that to come straight from you. To love Jesus with all of your heart. So the question is, what are we holding on to that God wants us to lay down? What are we not trusting him with? Finances, relationship. What are you not trusting? What are you holding on to? Oh, Lord, I I can't give you this because if I give you this, man, I just don't know what's going to happen to my Life. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Now, remember, guys, the angel of the Lord, if you have a new King James Version, it's in capital, and angel is in capital, which means it's a pre-incarnate Jesus. It's known as a theophany or Christophany. And so basically, this is the angel. Here's Jesus. Abraham, yes, he said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide, as it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So what did God do? He provided a substitute just like he said. Abraham called this place Jehovah-Jireh, my provider. Jesus took the place for us. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Guys, what a beautiful picture. Abraham's just about to do it. He's willing. He says, God, I trust you. I trust you in all things. This is my only son, but he's the son of promise. So either you're going to resurrect him, which God did in the life of Jesus. Amen? He's like, no, look behind you. And here's what I find interesting. Abraham still had a worship service. 
And let me just say this, guys. I know we're getting close, but let me just say this. Worship in all forms, prayer, devotion, singing, has to be central in our lives, regardless of the circumstances in our lives. I mean, I would have been shooken up, right? Oh! Ben, what? Don't kill him. Okay, let's go home. I would have just, I would have, you know what? Sarah's blowing up my cell phone. What's the problem, right? But, he, but they still worship because it has to be central in our lives, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our lives. We must still worship. When your boss is flipping out, when things are broken, when, when life is, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I get it, man. We have one or two choices. We can worship or we can get bummed. I usually get bummed. Just me? But what God says, worship. Worship. Verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. What is it, Lord? You have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply. The descendants of the stars of heaven will be like the sand which is on the seashore. Your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Your seed in all the nations shall be blessed. Why? Because you obeyed my voice. Number one, that's you. That's why you can sing. Father Abraham had many sons. That's us. He, and, but the second part, he says, but your seed, all the nation, who's that? Help me, church. It's Jesus in his seed. Boom. Jesus. And that's how we're blessed, guys. Every, all the nations of the earth are blessed. Why? Because of Jesus. Verse 19. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now, this is a similar story of the Gospel of John. The only difference is, is that God the Father went through with the sacrifice. You see, he sent his son whom he loved and his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, stop, 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 stop. Okay, I know that you're willing to do this, Jesus. He turned his head And my Jesus died on the cross. And he said, it is finished. You see, God said, that's the only way men can be reconciled to me. You see, the gospel, guys, it encompasses so much more than just going, hey, I prayed a prayer and I gave my life to Jesus. It encompasses, it encompasses who we are. It encompasses how we think, and it encompasses what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to use you. Every one of you in this room, God wants to use in an amazing way. He's given you gifts and abilities and talents. He wants to use you, but you have to understand the gospel and what it means and what Jesus did for you. And now you have to live with obedience and faith and sincerity. Your faith going to be tested, but at the end of the day, God wins. And if God wins, we win. So we go, okay, okay, I'm in. How many of you are in? How many of you go, man, I'm in. I'm in the gospel. I'm, a, I'm ready to go. I see the picture. I see Jesus. I'm in. I'm all in. Because here's what's happening in our world today. You've got so many people who are dipping their toe in the pool of Christianity and faith and what God wants to do. They're dipping their toe going, oh, I don't know. It's cold. It's cold. 
It's cold. I don't know. Let me say, oh! And then you have those that are saying, I'm in, and they jump in all the way. And then they look at you and say, come on in, the water's fine. And you're still going, oh, it's cold. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just get a little sun. He wants us in the pool. He wants us in the pool because he has, he has great things for us. Trust me. Trust me. The world is yelling at you going, hey, I've got great things for you. I've got great things. Man, you're going to rise the corporate ladder. You're going to get raises. You're going to get all kinds of stuff. Lots of perks. Lots of perks. But God says, listen, that's, that's all going to burn. What I have for you is when you lead somebody to Christ and you see them crying and you see their life changed instantly. When you're able to preach a sermon, not from behind a pulpit, but from the way you live your life, that people see that. When your life, no matter how hard it is, reflects the glory of God, that's what God wants to do. Here's my question to you. Get in the pool. Trust me. Trust me when I say there's no greater joy than getting in the pool and walking what God wants has for you. There's no greater joy. As we meditate on this story, we know it's the gospel. And we close our Genesis study. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. The worship team's going to come back up. Here's how we do communion if you haven't been with us. Guys, communion is open to all believers. And what we do is the worship team's going to lead us in a song. That's your time to just look in your heart and say, God, do I believe the gospel? Do I trust you? And then when you're ready, when you're ready, then you can come up and you can partake. You can sit and you can pray. You can do what you need to do. This is for you. You go, well, Ben, what if, what if I just have some work to do with God? Then just do work with God. Don't worry about the worship team. They'll finish. They'll, they'll, they'll quietly step down. But this is, this is for you. This is for you. The gospel. Think about Isaac and then, and then correlate that over to what? Over to Jesus. And he stands with his arms open wide and he says, just come in the pool. Just come in the pool, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And we go, amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you for the gospel message. And Lord, as we get ready to partake in communion, Lord, regardless of the circumstances in our life, our hearts are to praise and worship you. Forgive us of our sins, O Lord. Forgive us of the things that we've done and the things that we failed to do. Reconcile us back to you by just your word. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. We love you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship. When you're ready, you come on up. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. 
To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.